Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Stories of Redemption podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis to Society. I'm here with your host. Uh, your brother, Pizzo the Messenger. Man, and we thank y'all so much for tuning in today. Uh, we got a special guest for y'all today, but before we get into that, uh, this this podcast was birthed out of the scripture, Psalms 107, verse 2, where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Man, so our hope is that you would listen to this and, and realize that there's people out there just like you that God has took from one place, took them out of their mess, and put them somewhere else, and, and they get to share their testimony now. So, hey, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on. So we got a special guest for y'all today. This brother is somebody who has inspired me, somebody who has given me godly counsel when, I, when I've been in bad places in my life. Uh, this is my brother from another mother, but the same father. We're talking Come about on. the hem- heavenly father. So, yeah. hey, y'all give it up. I'm talking like this is live. Y'all give it up to, for my boy Christian Felix. Yes, sir. Come on. Hey, it's on here, but I don't know which button it is. <laughs> right, right. Man, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. Thank you for the uh, the great intro. Yeah. <laughs> man. Appreciate you. Man, appreciate you, man. You've been you've been a solid brother in my life. So man, I honor you, bro, and I appreciate you. Uh, man, so let's get into it, bro. Uh, I want to start off asking you, man, who is Christian Felix today? So who is Christian Felix today? Who is? Um, question. Y- y'all got me cheesing, by the way. <laughs> Take your time, bro. <laughs> I'm feeling good, though. <laughs> um, so that's a good question. Um, I would describe myself in a lot of different ways. I mean, depending on the, the environment and whatnot, uh, I would like to think I'm multifaceted, but I mean, who I am at the core of it all, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a flawed creature. However, I'm redeemed. I'm kind of like your guys' uh, sure. podcast, you know, the, the title, the meaning. Um, I'm redeemed, man. Like, I'm redeemed by the blood. My, my life has changed. I have a whole different meaning and um, purpose for existing just because mm-hmm. of that, you know. So I think that's that it's appropriate to say that that's, you know, part of who I am. That's the first thing. Um, first step of, you know, exploring who I am. Beyond that, beyond being somebody that's redeemed by the blood and um, someone who, by the grace of God, has um, come to a place of being sold out for Christ. I'm an entrepreneur. Come I'm on. a creative. Um, I write music. I like music. Yeah. Um, that's an, that God's pushing on me. So, you know, there's certain areas you, you're just a little bit uncomfortable with at first because you can't picture yourself mm-hmm. doing such and such or doing so and so. But you got to step out in faith. By the way, if that is ever a situation that you encounter, it just means that what you're going to be doing in that industry is a little bit different from what you're used to seeing. So it just means yeah. you're going to be a little Um but yeah, uh, that's that's who I am. I, I love God, God first, obviously. Um, and yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, trying to seek God and, and put Him into the culture in some creative ways. Right, right. I, I know a, you've been working on your T-shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Go ahead and uh, dive into to your your journey of entrepreneurship. What is what are some of the things you do? Um, so uh, just 
just full disclosure, I'm not in full-time entrepreneurship yet, but I speak that in faith. Come you on, know, sir. Believe it. Yeah, yeah, that God is going to do it, you know, that I'm, I'm transitioning. Um, you know, of course, along with faith, it, it takes work, you know. Uh, faith without works is dead, so mm-hmm. amen. put that work into it. Um, but what it is that I do, uh, there's a few things that I, I want to do. You know, I, I feel like there's certain arts and uh, creative fields that I want to get into. Obviously, like I said, music, rap, rap is one of them. Um, but even it even goes as far as um, acting as well. That's something that I want to do. Um, my brother Dennis knows that we had a YouTube channel. We used to do some skits. So I have a camera here. I do photography and I also, um, you know, I'm into cinematography. So I get behind the camera. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Come on. But in terms of the business, aspect of the business side of things um i'm starting i'm launching a clothing line a garment line it's called tapanos it's greek for humble hmm, man. at first i was going to go with this um another greek word called the sophos and it means the wise but then you know the bible says <laughs> yeah um you know what the Bible says about those who call themselves wise are really not wise. So. Right, <laughs> right. So you had to take, you had to make a shift there. Like, wait a minute. Right, right, right. Because then I would have been really just a fool. <laughs> but that's the that's the beautiful thing, bro. Like how you were able to make correction off of the word, bro. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Facts, facts. Totally right. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And, and God transitioned it to the total opposite. Like in one point, I'm saying we're the wise. That's so exaltation. But then God was like, "Go with Tapanos, the humble." You know? Come on, yeah. So, right, right. So, so yeah, and say when we humble ourselves before Him, He'll exalt us. Come on, man. Cool. But yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, with with the the entrepreneurship, there is something else that I want to bring down the line. It's going to be like an online platform, um, and that's going to be called Apocalypses which is Greek for revelation. I want people to catch a revelation when they get on there. Amen. But, yeah, busy at work, man. It's always good to take the gifts and the things that, uh, the characteristics that God put in us, bro, and we lift them and give them back to him, man. It's, it's nothing better than that, bro. Yeah, exactly. Man. man, so Chris, like, how did God snatch you out of the hand of the enemy, bro? Like, I know bits and pieces of it, but I don't know it all, bro, so... Speaking of that, how did he do it, man? It all started when I was coming out of the womb. (laughs) 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 My first breath. (laughs) Um, No, I'm from California. Grew up in, I was born in Anaheim, California. Grew up in Orange County, California for a part of my life. Um, And if you know anything about Orange County, it's a pretty decent area, pretty nice area. Um, so, So growing up, my mother and my, my uh, father were separated. So we would bounce between situations. Financially, my dad was more stable. My dad lived in you know, um, Cypress, California, Orange County. Uh, while my mother, on the other hand, who was going through a lot, by the way, um, we were in Anaheim. There was times where when I lived with my mother, I was young, uh, little man, we would be homeless going from, you know, just searching for a place to stay for the night. I remember times where, you know, it'd be like past midnight and we were still walking the streets, just finding somewhere to to lay our heads for the night. 
um, times where we had to, you know, when my mother had my grandmother's car, we had to hide ourselves in the back seat so that she wouldn't have to pay an extra fee for, you know, the additional heads, but she would only have to pay for herself, you know, for a hotel night. So just putting that into context, mm-hmm. um, when, it, when I got to about second grade, uh, I made the shift uh, from living with my mother to living with my dad. And that's when I actually um, got settled in, in Cypress, California, a really nice area. So it was a little bit different. We were definitely taken care of in terms of finances. Um, but, but growing up, once I moved with my dad, we didn't have our mother any, any longer. My, my dad took it upon himself to separate us from my mother and uh, for her not to have any contact with us, which, you know, wasn't, I don't think that was legal or part of what was supposed to be done. But he essentially, you know, ignored and hid any calls, any attempts from her to be able to reach out to us. Um, yeah, it just put her in a bad situation and also put us in a, in a situation where, you know, we, we want our mother. Um, and, you know, that situation is just way too common nowadays. Like that's that's not even a testimony for a lot of people because that's just life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a part of my testimony. So yeah, that, that lasted for a pretty long time where, you know, I think from second grade up, um, just growing up with my dad, it was my dad, my sisters, and I had some step siblings. Um, and it was tough. It was pretty strenuous. There was a lot of strain and uh, stress in the house because of, you know, the mixed pot of children. So growing up, me and my dad used to fight a lot. That's kind of a part of my story. Shout out to my pops. I love them. We're, we're on amazing terms. We talk, mm-hmm. we pray together, fellowship, chop it up. At the time, though, he was going through some stuff. You know, he um, just going through stuff. Yeah. You know, when, when we're unsaved, when we're not walking in fellowship and with Jesus, we're an open target for the enemy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where my dad was. Um, there was a lot going on on his head, on his mind. Um, so that led to me and my pops just really having it, you know, being, um, what do you call it? Like head to head, like going yeah. clashing head Right. Yeah. A lot. Uh, a lot. So, I mean, it got to the, to the point where, um, like I'd have bruises and stuff. Like I, I, in my opinion, I wouldn't look the same. I would take pictures and try and get them, get them to like the police and whatnot. Um, it was really bad. When, when my mother found out, she was really upset. She, she took me to the police station a few times. Um, but I think what, what had happened is because I had time for those bruises and, and things to heal, they weren't as bad. So by the time I got to the station and by the time somebody looked at it and saw it, you know, nothing could be done. Um, I don't want to make make my, my, my pops and my you know stepmom out to be bad people, but... Um, it's just a part of the story, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah, so that, that happened on and off growing up. Um, I remember a time got in, got in a fight with the pops, and I had to leave. I, I just, I left, you know what I'm saying? I, I tried to run away. Um, and so eventually what happened is once I got into high school, I kind of became a little bit more independent-minded and starting to, you know, started to think about certain things. Um when I was actually in middle school, so, you know, a lot of my youth, I played ball, basketball. 
Um, and like I was saying, because of the stress in the home, when I was in elementary, I got in a lot of fights in school. So I, like when I was a, you know, a little peewee in elementary school, I would get in a lot of trouble. I got suspended just multiple times. Like I was known for fighting. Um, and that kind of stuck with me in, in elementary all the way up until I think about sixth grade. Sixth grade, there was a breakthrough. Thank God. I found basketball. So basketball was the, the tool that God used for me to be able to just channel some of my emotions and my energy. And so I put a lot of that pain and frustration into basketball. I wanted to be great. I mm -hmm. like I ate, slept. All I could think about was basketball. Um, I used to sleep with my basketball. <laughs> yeah. So I was definitely devoted. That's that's where I was channeling, you know, just my existence. I didn't know Christ um, in any intimate form or way. Now, just a side note, coming up, though, um, you know how parents can have visitations once, you know, when when one parent has yeah, I guess, custody. custody. Yeah. Yeah. The other parent has visitations. When my mother had visitations, she would make me force me to read the Bible when I was young. And then she would force me to explain what i understood about, about the scriptures that I wow um yeah, yeah so that was the seed you know what i'm saying the bible says raise a child up in the way that he should go and yeah. when he's older he will depart from it wow yeah that, yeah that that was the seed and i didn't know it but it was definitely the seed um but yeah jumping back to where i was at uh basketball so that was about sixth grade i, I found basketball i kind of chilled out on being a bad kid um so yeah, I, I went into middle school and California middle school starts in seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade is middle school. So went into middle school, I was kind of cleaning up my act. I was doing a little bit better. Um, though I, I didn't care about academics or like grades or anything like that. The only reason I, I you know, cared, I would just try to get C's so I can play on the basketball team. Um, sounds, so in middle like school- my story. <laughs> 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 a lot of us. Um, yeah. I just but, wanted to pass my grade. That's all. So I, I, right, set, right. I settled just for D's. <laughs> Bare yeah. minimum, baby. Bare minimum. <laughs> Facts. Um, so, yeah, that, that was basically me in school. What happened, though, is like in seventh grade, I went to a school. It's called Lexington. It's pretty top in like academics in terms of like, um, the percentage like it's in the top three percentile of like schools in the nation or something like that um and so i was gearing up to play basketball there and you know what i'm saying do well and go to high school what happened though is my dad was cleaning out his room and it's really funny so he was cleaning out his room and he found a, a knife like a little pocket knife and you know people can act crazy so he was like here son take this you know if you ever need it for protection whatever you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> I put it in my backpack, right? Um, my school backpack. Yeah. Dumb. First mistake. <laughs> he should have told me this. This was his fault. But <laughs> low key, you. You low key. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, so I put it in my backpack like a dummy, and uh, so I keep it in my bag. But look, this is the funny thing, though, because around the same time frame, around the same, you know, uh, yeah, time after school, one day they were passing out, you know, those little Bibles that only is like the New Testament. Yeah. It's God's grace, bro. God was so in seas. It's so crazy. For me, it's like evidence that 
he was with me all along. You know what time. I'm saying? But whole time. So I didn't know it. I wasn't like deep into faith or anything. Like I didn't, I didn't care about none of that stuff. Um, but I did take a Bible yeah. one day. They were passing it out after school across the street. I took a Bible, put that in my bag as well. So you got the knife and the Bible <laughs> in my bag. <laughs> one day I go to school. I'm in choir class and uh, the, the choir teacher she separates the boys from the girls, right? And right. so we leave our bags on the floor. The boys go up and they, you know, practice in their little part. Um, when it's the girls' turn, I, I go back to my bag and I realize it's open. And, um, and you know, my Bible and, and that knife are in there. <clears throat> later on, I'm, I'm going to the next period later on in the day. Somebody comes to me and was like, hey, you know that girl, Ashley? She went in your bag. She saw a knife. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, hey. <laughs> she saw it. I, I didn't think, like, yo, I can get in trouble or yeah. anything. So I go to the next period. People are finding out. More <laughs> kids are coming up to me like, yo, you got a knife in your bag? Like, Ashley, she just went to the office. She's going to tell on you. Da, 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 da. Oh, man. And for some reason, I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> think to uh, throw away the knife. <laughs> So if I if I but go I'm, down for this, I'm gonna just go. <laughs> nah, you didn't even think you was gonna. You didn't even think you was gonna go down. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. I, I didn't really think about it. Like I don't know why. But I think I was enjoying the clout too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm the man. Look at everybody. Yeah, I got this knife. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, at the time too, like because I I like to ball and whatever. Um, one of my favorite players was Tracy McGrady. So I was wearing this red Tracy McGrady jersey. And to pair with it, I would wear red balling shorts. Oh, so you was blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. So I didn't think about it like that. Long story short, um, eventually, it, it turns out that, you know, it was true um, about those claims. So the people, what, like the principal and some other people, they come and grab me from my last period, my last class. Um pull me in the office, call my pops. I got kicked out of the school. And, you know, it was like, like I said, I, I wasn't fighting or anything like that. It wasn't anything crazy. I mean, my grades weren't extraordinary, but I was a, I was a pretty decent kid. Then I had to go to, it was either go to a school out of the district or go to expulsion school. Um, expulsion school is way worse. So you don't want, you know, hmm. typically parents don't want their kids to go to expulsion school. So they'll just take them to a school out of the district. That's a little bit further. So the school that I ended up going to was a lot worse. Like I said, the Lexington was like in the top three percentile. This other school was <clears throat> more towards a, a like a tougher area. There was a lot of Samoans and Mexicans and, and blacks um, that went there and we had to wear a uniform. So I started going there. And, you know, once you make a mistake and, you know, you start fresh, you're humble. You're humble. That mistake is still on your mind. You're on your best behavior. But once you settle in, um, you know, some of that attitude comes back. Yeah. And so that's basically what happened. I, I got settled in after a few months. I was doing good, but I started thinking about clouds, thinking about girls, thinking about being cool again. Um, and what ended up happening is, you know, the unforgivable sin. Somebody talked about my mama. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's immediately yeah, like, yeah. okay, let's catch these hands yeah. then. Yeah. At that age, that, you're not, you're not going to get over that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we started throwing hands in the class. 
My teacher said that she wasn't going to tell on me. She knew my situation. She said she wasn't going to bring it to the office as long as we stopped and, you know, we, we got ourselves together. Wow. Somehow, I guess another, yeah, yeah. I guess another kid, though, brought it to the office. <clears throat> got their attention, called my pops, and same thing happened. This time, it was a lot more disappointment. And uh, this time, it resulted in me being expelled. Oh, man. That was kind of the beginning of, like, journeys i guess or a beginning of like a very tough period at that time at least in, in that age um once i got expelled it just brought a different like vibe a different feeling because my dad started feeling hopeless about me and about my situation hmm. you know being in elementary having gotten in so many fights my grades already being poor um and you know not being the child of uh my stepmother obviously it just, it just was, it was tough. I was my, my dad's oldest boy. So I was my dad's first boy. So it was his first go around with, you know, a son. Um, <clears throat> and so for him at that time, it just felt like a lot of disappointment, I think. Um, and like I said, he was very hopeless for me. From there, I went to a school in Anaheim, California, which can be rough. Uh, it's called CDC, I think, or CDS. Um, otherwise known as community day school hmm. it's just four buildings really small portable buildings that's the whole school and then there's a field and a, a fence with barbed wire around it <clears throat> and it, they mix the students so it's like middle school and high schoolers all in one school <clears throat> and these are all kids who've been expelled for various reasons so that's the school i went to i had to go there for like i think two semesters and it was just a tough time in my childhood life because I was around people that were crazy. My first day in school, man, this Mexican guy, he, he grabbed me by my shirt and threw me against the wall and started telling me, you know, started yelling at me and asking me for my money. It was like, where's your money? Where's your money? And I was scared, man. My mind was going into flight or fight and I didn't know which one to choose. So I was kind of like just shook. After a few minutes, though, he, he told me, you know, he was just joking. But that was like my introduction into the school. Dang. Um, and just being there, it was, it was really dark area, like dark atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? I, I Things got stolen. I got punked a lot. I started fighting a lot more. And then my home life, like I said, it was hopeless. My parent, my dad thought it was like I was a hopeless situation. So nobody talked to me when I was home. I was basically alone. Like I was just there, but like nobody talked to me. And that, that lasted for months um long story short though you know things get a little bit better i complete the school start playing ball again um and me and my dad get in a fight this is my sophomore year of high school um but this time instead of you know fighting my dad like i normally do i just thought you know what i'm not i'm not gonna fight him uh i'm just gonna call the cops so i did i called the cops they came they broke it up and having the mind that I had then, you know, just a little bit older, you know, I started thinking differently. Um, and I had an older sister in California that lived out there with me. <clears throat> I was about 16 and um, I talked to her about it and she, she told me that I could stay with her. So what ended up happening is I started living with her, but she couldn't afford to, you know, um, you know, Supply, provide for me. Yeah. Um, so her and my mother 
got together and started making a plan. It was either I would go back to live with my dad or go somewhere else because my sister couldn't provide for me. My mother lived in Virginia with my grandmother at the time. And so they were talking. They bought a ticket without me knowing and then gave me the ultimatum once they bought the ticket. All right, you either go back with your pops or you move to Virginia. And since they had already bought the ticket, the decision was already really made. So I didn't want to leave, but I dipped out. I was 16, sophomore in high school, dipped out, went to VA. And let me let me say this side note real quick. Once I started living with my sister, that's when I started going to church. She was going to church. So that was the first time I remember walking into a youth service. It was the first time I ever seen young people worshiping. Come on now. Like, mm. yeah, it was it was wild, man. It made an impact. I didn't know what kind of impact it made at the time. I just know I was impressed. Something was, you know, pressed upon me, but now. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So that, those were seeds, obviously. Now, once I got to VA, I came to some unforeseen circumstances. Nobody told me that, like, you know, there was no money, no food, stuff like that. So I get here, my mom and my older sister are living in a, a one bedroom apartment um, off this street called Fenner Street. And it's it's in the hood, like, it's cracked up in the hood. Like, <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> my, yeah. Dennis's wife with my older sister, um, she was working at Wendy's at the time. So she was providing for the, the whole operation, the whole house. My mother had a fine on her head from the child support issue <clears throat> that happened with us. So my mother couldn't work. Otherwise they would, you know, take her wages anyway. Um, and there was a fine on her head. So only my sister was working and providing for the apartment. So when I got there, you know, there wasn't a bed or a room for me to, to sleep in. Um, lights was going off frequently. Um, heat was going off frequently. There was no food frequently. Um, and it just got to a place where it was just tough. It was a total different scenario than in Cali. You know, with my dad, I was taken care of. Even though we were fighting, that was never an issue. Clothes, food, all that stuff was not an issue. Moving forward, though, we started, me and my sister started to have like a dark season. It was just, it was really crazy. And and I feel like we started to encounter, you know, demonic activity, really. Um, and so I just remember living in fear. There was a lot of times where um, there, was, there was a person who was, I feel like, influenced by demons at the time. And so they would, they would taunt us. They would speak in tongues, but it wasn't, Holy Ghost tongues. It was like a very, it was a demonic tongue. It sounded African. And there was just times that I saw a lot of weird spiritual stuff. Um, I'm trying to give you guys some scenarios. One time I woke up at, well, like early in the morning, really early in the morning. I, I used to sleep on the couch. And at the time, since I was living in fear from just seeing all, all the things that I had seen and just those occurrences, I would, I would sleep under the blanket and hide myself. Um, but I woke up and I look over, the kitchen is right there next to the living room. And this particular person was laying on their back. <laughs> I lie to you not, laying on their back. The, their back was on the, the seat part of the chair and their hands were out like this. Well, you guys can't see me, but you know, the horns, like devil signs right. or whatever. And they're out to the side while their feet was going out. And it looked like 
I don't know what was going on. It looked like a some type of spiritual meditation, like demonic meditation. Now, this person, though, you could tell there was some type of influence because the facial expressions, um, the gestures, the mannerisms, it was very just animalistic, if I can describe it that way. And I lie to you now, I swear, I swear I'm not lying. I'm not going to make this stuff up. Um, so that, that type of stuff happened. I remember one time, um, this person, this person lives with us. Um, one time this person walked out outside of the apartment mm -hmm. and because I was already aware of how they were acting and, and the things that they were doing, I looked through the peephole to see what was going on. And when I looked through the peephole, I swear on everything, yo, I'm not lying. This person was on the other side of the door and they were just vibrating. Like, I wish I could show y'all this is a podcast, so it's only audio, but they were turned to the side and they were moving back and forth at an unhuman speed, I swear. Just wow. vibrating like It was unhuman. I've never wow. seen anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and real quick, just for our listeners, like, y'all may not know that this stuff really goes on, but I can testify as well. Like, I've seen spiritual things, like, and so the, the stuff that the Bible speaks about is 100% factual, like, as far as, like, de demonic possessions and stuff like that. So, yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, no, nah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the truth. This world is primarily spiritual. There's always an undertone of the supernatural going on. Um, we just don't see it. And, you know, to tell the truth, the devil, he would rather you believe that it is only what you see. And the truth is, is what you see will pass away. The Bible mm -hmm. says it'll pass away. But the kingdom, the spiritual aspects to God's creation are eternal. That's going to endure forever. Right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so these things were happening. Now, at the time, I didn't know it was God's way of showing me that he was real. I didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All I knew was I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I was scared, boy. I was mm -hmm. so scared. Every day, like, when I would walk home from school or if I would come into the because my apartment was um, the second floor. And so you'd have to, you know, walk into the door and go up the stairs to get to my apartment. And when I would go into that hallway, it was always eerie. I would just mm. fear going in there. Um, and I, I didn't even tell you guys all the, the things that we encountered being there. If I did, it'd take forever. But so I, I'll skip forward. There was this one day, right? We had been dealing with this for like building up for a whole time period. So mm -hmm. I was conditioned already. The enemy had already conditioned me. I was conditioned to fear. I was afraid. Um, but there was a night I woke up at 3 a.m. I remember it being 3 a.m. I heard somebody. I'm on the couch sleeping. The blanket's over me. And I heard pages flipping and I heard growling. I'm trying to be descriptive for, you know, our listeners. And so because I was afraid in that season of my life, um, I didn't move. I didn't want to be detected. You know, when you're under the blanket and you want to look out without tearing the blanket off you, you right. just poke a hole. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's basically what I did. I Just try and paint the image in your head. Like, it's late at night. Yeah. It's pitch black. You're quiet as a mouse. You can't hear anything. You know what I'm saying? Do you think you would see that person pitch black if they just poke a hole without making a sound? No. No. No, you wouldn't notice it. Ah. Uh, wouldn't even notice it. 
So that's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm watching, right? I'm watching this person. And mind you, Satan knows his word. Let me tell you that. So I'm just frozen with fear, watching with one eye with a little hole through the blanket. A few minutes pass by, maybe 15 minutes. And I'm like I said, I'm frozen with fear this whole time. Just watching. Don't know what I'm about to do. This person stops. They just freeze. No noise, nothing. They're just frozen. That lasted for maybe about five or 10 minutes. And then they just look directly into my eye. And I just, yeah, I got that junk scary. <laughs> when I tell this story, I promise, bro, I feel like I'm telling like a movie or something. Um, I forget, like, it's, this is real. Like, this happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, they look into my eyes, right? And they start snout, snarling and growling. And they're angry. They just, they're just angry. All I can just, like, the only way I can describe it is they just hated me. There was just a great level of hate, mm. obscene level of hate towards me. And after, after a while of just staring at me with hate, growling, they get up and they just charge at me very angrily. And I promise this is the, this is the moment that I knew there was a supernatural to this world. Um, so this person's running at me, right? Charging at me and boom, it's almost like they run into a brick wall, like maybe a few feet away from where I am on the couch and I haven't moved. Wow. There was no fight or flight instinct. Like I was just frozen in fear. I was shook. Um, yeah, and they, they just like ran into a, an invisible wall. And so they're standing a few feet away from me and it just seems like they're bloodthirsty. And if they could, they would just rip me to shreds. Like they just were standing there looking angry, like snarling, like. Ah, ah, so, so God basically put like a hedge around you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't really know it then. I was still observing the situation and just, I was just there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's basically what happened. And that person stood there and just wished they could get me for like 30 or 45 minutes on just standing there staring. And that was scary. But, you know, moving forward after that day, I started to, you know, reflect on that situation and what happened. And what it showed me is that Satan is real. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Satan is real. The demonic is real. So, but I also uh, saw. Okay. No, I was, I was saying. So, would you say that that was the, the transition on, on uh, that started on your redemption, like being yes. redeemed, like leading you to repentance? Yes, yes, it was. That that was probably the biggest thing. Everything else was seeds building up and just sowing towards that. Right. Um. But that was like the turning point, the turn, the trigger for me because. I didn't, I wasn't totally aware of the supernatural. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't aware of everything that there really was. But, you know, and like I said, through that whole season, I was seeing the evidence of Satan, but that was a day or a night where I saw the evidence of God because I thought about it mm -hmm. and I was like, man, that had to be angels. Like right. there had to be angels. Otherwise I'd be on the, the news, you know, where another person goes crazy and kills yeah. You know, what I'm wow. you know those news stories that we hear about. Yeah. I think another. And so yeah, that that's basically. I was no, I was saying. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. There you go. I was saying like even going all the way back to the beginning when you went to go visit your mom, bro, and like you said, she had you reading the word. 
though that was when we get in the word and we obtain the word, man, that's that's the invitation of allowing God to come into our heart as well. So it's like just seeing that it started way back then, bro, leading up to then, like you said, you saw how God's hand was always on you, bro, through all those situations yeah. that you that you went went through leading up to that time. Yeah, man, like I, I totally agree. And I didn't see it at the time. You know, I was not aware or conscious that, you know, hey, this is just God working and hey, God's with you. Looking back, though, like you said, that, you know, um, that hindsight, I do see God. I see God in every aspect of Come my on, life. Man. Even when, like, me and my dad, after a fight with my dad and I'm crying, I, I remember times where I'm looking outside of my window because I'm trapped in the room and after a fight and I look messed up from the fight, so I can't really go out and see nobody. And I'm just feeling alone. I remember looking out the window and just crying and just thinking. And in those moments, I know that God was still with me. He was still fathering me, caretaking for me, even before I knew it. Like, just imagine the kids on the outside. You As you're looking out the window, bro, like, we don't know what's going on inside of people's homes, bro. Mm -mm. You know, we yeah. don't know the pain that people really go through. You know, and that's really what the hopes is for, like, with the podcast still to this day as grown-ups adults. Like, we don't know what other adults are dealing with, you know, as we're going on our day-to-day -day basis and we see them and they're looking at us. We don't know what they're really dealing with on the inside. But that's what we're praying, right. that through your story and other people's story through this podcast, bro, it really sheds light uh, on, on them, bro, to help them through, you know, what they're facing in life too, man. Right. Especially in those moments where you feel you feel alone like you did or you feel forgotten or you feel like, you know, you know, that, like you just in hopeless situations. But but you can you can rest assured like that God sees it all like his eyes in every place. And uh, yeah, in and, and, and every situation, like every every person. Let me say it like this. The Bible says it like night. There's no difference between the night and the day to the, to the Lord. Like he sees just as clearly in the dark that he does. He sees in the light. So it's all the same to him, man. And I just want everybody listening, like who's going through a dark place or or a situation that feels hopeless. I want y'all to trust in him, like and call out to him because he hears you. Yeah. Keep telling us your story, bro. I know we had okay, to put a pin sure. in it. Where, where you? Where were you at? <laughs> um, well, before I do that, just to add on to what y'all were saying, like I think a lot of times people downplay their testimony and they think that there's no power Come on. behind their story. And I felt like that about mine a lot of times. Um, but we got to realize everybody has a different story. And so right. when somebody else, even though you experience yours firsthand and so you're familiar with whatever you've been through or you think people, other people have been through worse, there's still, you're, there's power in your testimony. Absolutely. Like, don't keep that quiet, you know? Right, right. And it's crazy to think about like somebody like, you know, somebody like you, like who's seen so much, who's seen, you know, who's, who's seen a lot and who's been through a lot from being homeless to, to, you know, being in fights with your dad or, wh or whatever, like somebody who's been through so much could think, okay, man, my story, my story, my story ain't nothing. My story ain't going to impact nobody. Like it, and it just, it truly doesn't matter how small you think your story is. Like God, oh, yeah. God is using it and he can, he can use it. Like he plans to use it. I agree. But yeah, I've definitely and been now. there, bro, where I felt like my story wasn't, 
you know, wasn't shareable because I haven't been through enough or yeah, like I and felt like my testimony was small. And that's what the enemy wants us to think. He wants us to compare our stories to other people's story. Or there's a more like you were saying, sound like a movie and not mine just look like a commercial. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever right, the yeah. case may be, man, you know. I like one thing that as I'm listening to like your story, bro, it's like even though the pain, you know what I mean, that you had to go through and endure, bro. It didn't feel good. You know what I mean? It was days where you was just wishing that it was over with already. You know what I mean? But even even in those moments, we got to remember, man, like God, like, and this is for those who know that God is in their lives, man. Don't ever allow the enemy to get in, in your thought process for one second to make you think that God is not present, man. Hmm. Come on, because man. those seasons that we have to go through, man, is is those. That's what being refined is. You know what I mean? Come on, come on. And so, yes. like when we when we go through those, we gotta we gotta endure and persevere. He said, he said, those that endure to the end shall be saved, man. You know, and of course, when we're babes in Christ or even young kids, we don't know that. But you know, just for the young listeners, man, that's that's what we're here to tell you, man. Just keep pushing forward, and and community is important as well. Yeah, and like you were saying about the people that feel alone, like um, that was a season where I felt alone, but and I feel like God allowed that to happen because later on in life, obviously, he wanted me to realize that my value, my, like where I'm accepted doesn't come from man. It doesn't even come from family, it comes from God. Like my place of value is in heaven with the Lord, you know, wow. in his, his tribe and his kingdom. And, um, you know, the Bible says he will use foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Yeah. And the things that are not to um, bring to nothing those things that are. Um, so that's my way of knowing or, you know, my way of understanding that um, even through what I went through, I, I never graduated. I, I dropped out of school, got my GED. Um, even through everything I went through to the world, I may be foolish or to the world, I may be one thing, but to yeah. God and to his a whole different thing. Come you know on, what I'm saying? yeah. Come on, bro. Man, this is this is this is meaty. Yeah, this is good. Um, well, I mean, I did have a question for you, bro, and I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. Digging a little bit deeper, uh, you know, into your testimony, I wanted to ask: Has there ever been a struggle, uh, you know, in your life that you felt like you couldn't couldn't overcome, and and how did God, you know, bring you over that? Well, there's, I'm sure there's been a lot of different situations sure. that, you know, yeah. I felt like, oh man, I'll never get over this. But once you do, it doesn't become your, it's, that's not your focus anymore. It's like, whatever the next challenge is, is now your focus. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I know I'll be transparent, man. Like I know lust is something that I am still getting over. You know what I'm saying? I'm, sure. I'm still climbing over that. Mountain. Um, but there's a lot of progress that I feel like through Christ has been made. Come on. There's a lot mm-hmm. of ground has been made. Yeah. Um, Man, and we can praise God yeah. for that. Yes. That alone, like yeah. progress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, kind of, kind of like what we were saying before. Like sometimes we'll be little things in our heads. So, like, I mean, the fact that you know I'm abstinent, the fact that I don't curse, smoke, or drink, or do any of those, like, do just live like the world anymore, mm-hmm. like. You know that to the praise and glory of God as well. And those were no small feats either. Right. You know what I'm saying? God, God did those. Um, 
So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now because it's nat it's natural. Like naturally we gravitate to those things. Like yeah. naturally we we want to you know look at we want what we look at what we want to look at or yeah. do the things that our body wants us to do. Like those are just the natural things, man. Right. So yeah, the the fact that you know you have seen progress and growth in the area of lust or yeah. you're like man that's that's god's grace in our lives bro like that's that's god's grace for sure yeah man so is, yeah is there anything practical that you do like to to battle that yeah that's a good question man um there's a lot of practical stuff you can do but it depends on who you are though hmm. like for like you'll choose things that are effective based off of who you are like and how you know how your struggle is um you'll need to tailor solutions geared towards that you know what i'm saying because everybody's different so you just have to be honest with yourself like jesus um i remember scripture and this wasn't something that jesus would tell everybody but there was a man who came to jesus and was like you know i've done everything basically to be accepted by you to be counted worthy by you but jesus was like no he was a rich man, a young rich man. And Jesus was like, no, you need to go sell everything that you have and then give it to the poor. That wasn't something that Jesus said to everyone. The reason why Jesus said it to him was because he had an issue with his riches. Wow. Wow. He had, True. yeah. Yeah. So, so Jesus will prescribe, I feel like God will prescribe solutions. Um, you know, there's the word is one big solution, but even furthermore, he will prescribe solutions tailored to you in your situation mm. um so for me just being practical and also being transparent if i'm going to be successful and you know remaining holy in this area come on there's just <laughs> there's things that i have to cut off and cut out altogether um there's things i can't entertain you know what i'm saying whether it be certain social media posts or right um yeah like cutting off my device at a certain time well, transparency i'm still working on all of this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as as well as us yes sir yep. yeah that that, yes. that battle never ends it right. doesn't it's day to day you can be a conqueror one day or for a whole month for a whole week but you have to continue that you know conquering attitude that that dying to self otherwise the table can turn that flip can always switch right. back over pick up don't, where you left don't off don't think you stay unless you fall man right come on yeah you gotta be you gotta be intentional you have to continue to to be intentional and and like you said honest with yourself uh on the things that that tempt you to go left or you know what i'm saying you gotta be willing to, to cut things off and and yeah and don't pick them back up again that's the main thing um yeah yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think how how Jesus uses, uh, you know, if if your eye if offends you, cast it, mm. you know, pluck it out yep. and cast it away from you, because it's better to enter into heaven missing an eye than to, you know, for your whole body to be in hell. Yeah, and so, yeah. but the devil, you know, he. He want to give you a prosthetic eye. He want to give you a glass. He want to get that Debo eye. Yeah, he he wants you to have. <laughs> he he want to, you know, he want to try to put your eye back in, you know. And yeah. but yeah, we gotta be mindful of the devil's devices, man. Like anything oh, that yeah. you know that God is pruning you of, he's, he's taking away from you. Like try really, you know, really be intentional about. You like letting him do that work in you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's something yeah. that I'm learning too, man. For sure. It, and I just want to add, bro, once again, that's also why community is important, man, because yes. the more that you talk with brothers, you know, and sisters, when you talk with your sisters about life, you know, you realize that you're not the only one with struggles, mm -hmm. you know, and then the godly counsel part is the most important thing. I was telling somebody the other day, it, you you can't like you can't be throwing the pity party, you know, with other people who want pity parties because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna fall into depression. You go you're not gonna find no solution to it. All you're gonna do is share baggage with somebody else that's sharing baggage, and then you throwing baggage on each other. You know what I mean? With no solution. But whenever you are coming to people who are grounded in Christ, not saying that we have it all together. Not at so all. So please don't take it that way. We all have struggles, and we all can 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 say that we have people in life that we speak to whenever we're struggling and we're just letting y'all know that that's the other thing that you have to do man surround yourself with people that's going to give you godly counsel yeah. that's going to help yeah. you with solutions on how to navigate through these things amen that's right yeah amen i agree with all of that and another thing though i would add is like i feel like for a long time i would put boundaries in place and boundaries is super important with uh with that kind of um you know struggle but i'd put boundaries in place and um you know all these other things to try and help but the thing that i needed inside myself the most was the desire you know the desire to change the will to change and so i just encourage anybody like you know right and wrong you know especially if you're saved you know what you should and should not be doing but you got to dig into God and ask God for, you know, those new desires and genuinely want change. Because until you genuinely want to change in a certain area or want to grow in a certain area, yeah, you're going to continue to basically fall into it, make excuses for yourself. And uh, yeah, you're not going to be willing to sacrifice. Hey, man, that's real. So I got another question for you, brother. Okay. Yes, sir. So what would you say to the believer who doubts what gifts God has given them to use for his glory? Mm. Dang, that's that's a good question. That's real good. <laughs> um, what would I say to someone who doubts the gifts that God has given them to use for his glory? Well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, man. Um, the Bible says, hate not the day of small beginnings. Hmm. So first, I would say start small. Come I on. mean, yeah, if God has given you a vision and you're not convinced, like, all right, that this great big or this great thing will, will come to pass. Well, you don't necessarily have to, I won't say that you don't have to be convinced, but you don't have to see that, that you know, that end picture or that end result, yeah. that end destiny. You don't have to see that first to start, to start mm -hmm. your journey there. So I would encourage them to start small. Um, that's one thing. But then the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, the, the parable of the talents the fact that um because i know a lot of times the the struggle can be um the the value that we place on our own gifts you know what i'm saying and so uh or how much value it brings and then in the parable of talents there's stewards of talents first thing we need to understand is we're not the owner of any of these gifts god is come yeah. on so so it doesn't matter what you have whatever you have you've been entrusted to use for his kingdom it's not yours you weren't the originator um but there was there was stewards of those talents and they all had different amounts some had more some had less 
But the thing that we have to take note of is the fact that Jesus said, go and, and multiply, go and be productive, produce something with what I gave you, no matter how much it is. You might not be the best artist, the best singer. Um, uh, I don't know what other things, the best entrepreneur, the best um, speaker. <laughs> but if you entrust what God has given you back to him, and if you use it, then God will multiply it. Amen. Um, even the person that had one talent, when they went and, and did what God said to do with it, I believe he gave them another talent. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they, they went out and multiplied that talent. They, they made use of it. But the person that dug their talent deep into the ground for nobody to see and nobody to witness it, God took it from them. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I would just encourage, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter how big you see it or, you know, how much value you place on it. Bring it to God. Um, and God will use it. He'll make use of it. He'll multiply. He'll bless it. Amen. Yeah, that's good, bro. Amen. That's good. Love that. Um, all right, bro. Well, we're going to get ready and wrap it up. Uh, so this will be the last question for you. Um, okay. What What would you say to um, the believer who's struggling in their faith and to maintain faith? And then on the flip side of that, what would you say to the unbeliever who, who's like the skeptic and he's like man I don't even know if this Jesus is worth my time like what would you what would you say to the, those two people so to the believer that's um, struggling with doubt and unbelief right um man if you're struggling with doubt and unbelief I would encourage you to ask God ask him um and and when i was you know when i went through that situation and i saw that person go go crazy and i was young and um you know i, I experienced that supernatural um once i made the decision to follow christ i dealt with all kind of doubt and all kind of unbelief and that's that's natural once especially when you start you're just starting your walk you're going to transition into from faith to doubt a lot um but I think the main thing is just basically asking God the question, just asking him, not being afraid to question him with your doubts. And when you are open enough to ask that and you have an open mind, then God will answer. God will come back with reassurance. Um, yeah. And just press as well. I mm -hmm. think that's another thing. Um, you know, the, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they doubted, they entertained a lot, a lot of doubts. Yeah. Now, let me just make this um, real quick distinction. Unbelief and disbelief are different. So you can have, you know, like some unbelief, but it doesn't mean that you've given into your doubts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's only natural when God gives us a word or when God tells us to do something that we're going to have a little bit of unbelief, you know, reserved on the side. And that's that fear. We just got to go out and conquer, go out and do whatever it is the Lord says to do in obedience regardless of that fear hmm. um or that that unbelief um but if you're just totally given to that and you just you know you need to um and you know just basically reflect come back regroup <laughs> repent maybe um, right yeah maybe you need to get saved again if you don't really believe at all you know what i'm saying yeah and to the unbeliever i would just say man christ is real uh, I've seen so many things spiritual and I know there's a lot of other people that have seen even way greater than I have. Um, but Christ is real, man. Christ is coming back. 
Um, and we don't have all day. We don't have, you know, every day. Tomorrow's not promised. Um, you can be here today, gone tomorrow. The Bible says, you know, our life is like a vapor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so just give, give your life to Christ today. You'll find purpose. You'll find meaning. Um, you'll find a whole lot in Christ. But if you don't, that's, that's a tough road. Yeah. Amen, bro. Man. Brother Christian, man, we appreciate you for joining us today. It was a blessing to be able to chop it with you, man, and, and hear how God has redeemed you and how he helped you navigate through life, man. Um, listeners, we pray that you are blessed by this today. But until next time, man, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Peace.